I helped bring HGTV, Home Garden Television, into the universe. I was part of a small team that launched that cable network and was able to see it from when it was just an idea, like a blip on the radar, to becoming a billion-dollar media empire, and then walking away from it and deciding I was going to pave my own path. Welcome to the Action Academy Podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom. The show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. <laughs> Tracy, how are you? Good. Good to see you. I'm so excited to have you on the show. And I'll just let you, I'm not even going to try to introduce you. I'll let you introduce yourself to the people. So Tracy, who is Tracy? <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. My name is Tracy Schubert Barrett. And I resonate with everything that you talk about and um, everybody in your audience, I feel a kindred spirit with because I had a over 20 year career in corporate America and rode that, that wave and checked off all the boxes and did all the things I was supposed to do and hit a crossroads and decided that I would pivot from what at the time was my dream job. I helped bring HGTV, Home Garden Television, into the universe. I was part of a small team that launched that cable network and was able to see it from when it was just an idea, like a blip on the radar, to becoming a billion-dollar media empire, and then walking away from it and deciding I was going to pave my own path. And that's my journey in a nutshell. I write about it in my book, but it's something that I know can sound like hard to relate to. But underneath it all, I know that there are a lot of people that share all the feelings I have experienced over my journey and over my career. Yeah. And it's funny because on paper, we have everything like you have almost you have a list of 100 boxes, you maybe have 99 of them checked. But in the back of your head, it's always just that, oh, that can't, I should just be happy where I'm at. I should just be content. There's something wrong with me for wanting more. Yeah. How was that feeling? Yeah, it's amazing because I feel like for me, especially in my 20s, and you feel like the world's your oyster. But at the same time, you also feel like so many things are like pre-subscribed for you. Like you're supposed mm. to graduate from high school and go to a good college and then get out of college and then climb the corporate ladder and get the best job you can with the biggest name company that you can. And you're supposed to do all these things and climb the corporate ladder. And I think that you can feel a little bit on autopilot, you know, that a lot of these decisions aren't decisions that you've necessarily made for yourself. That doesn't make them bad per se, but you know, when you're going through the motions, sometimes you're just following the trajectory you think you're supposed to follow. And you can also develop unhealthy drives to get to that level of success you think you're supposed to get to, right? So you're driven mm. just by, okay, it's how much money am I going to acquire? What's my title going to be at this company? Or for a lot of people today, it's what kind of fame am I going to be able to bring for myself? And it's not like any of those things are bad, but if you're driven by them and sometimes push yourself to the limit, you know, to get there, then at some point you're going to wake up and think, 
what's happening? Mm -hmm. What am I doing? Am I living on my own terms? Am I living on somebody else's terms? Have I designed my life to make other people happy? Or have I designed it to make myself happy? And there's a lot there to wrestle through. And I think that so many people at different points in their life, it could be a milestone you hit, it could be a, a turning point in your life, it could be a layoff, it could be a divorce, it could be midlife. But we usually hit this crossroads where we look around and we think, is this everything that I really want? And I think that was a crossroads that I hit. Daniel Pink is one as an author that I love. And he wrote a book about like regret. And so he's coming on the show and he was talking about how one of the core theories of the book is that the regret of things that people haven't done far surpassed the regrets of things that they did do. And so it was a, like a prevalent theme across the book was he just noticed it was always, man, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have gone after the girl or the guy. I wish I would have driven over to the coast and all of this. So before we get before we go backwards, because I really want to set the scene for like you before version one and you after version two. I really like what you said about almost like I call them mountaintop moments where you get everything you've ever wanted and you realized was this worth the energy and effort that it took to get here? So can you give me one of these moments? Was it like an income moment for you? What was one of these milestones where you gave everything in corporate and then realized on the other side of the mountain, you're like, was this really worth it? Yeah, I think I write about this in my book, this moment in television, we have what's called the television upfronts. And you basically, in in one portion of the year in a month's time, you negotiate a huge amount of advertising dollars. And every television network does this. It's a very intense time of the year. You do a ton of presentations, you bring in talent, and you're negotiating basically hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars worth of advertising. And it's a very busy time as an executive at any television network. And I was flying all over the country and I was going from presentation to presentation. But at the same time, also, we had the HGTV Dream Home happening. And so we were taking clients to the Dream Home. And I can remember standing in the airport, looking up at the monitor, and I couldn't figure out where I was. I didn't mm. know what city I was in, and I couldn't remember where I was going. And I turned to the person standing next to me that was also looking up at the monitor. And I said, what airport are we in? And he just looked at me and he was like, Cleveland. And I was like, Cleveland. Okay, Cleveland. And I, it was that moment, I just felt, what am I doing? I don't even know literally where I am. And that was a big wake up moment for me. That was a moment where I was like, I have lost all sense of up from down and where I am and what I'm supposed to be doing. And I feel completely on autopilot. I feel like life is living me. I'm not living it. Wow. It's funny how you, it's almost like you need to get everything you want to know that it wasn't the answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because yeah. it's until you get to that point, you're always mm -hmm. like, I got to keep going. Yep. I got to get that corner office. I got to get my first hundred thousand. I got to get the first million. I got to do it. And it's because... Honestly, like when you're driven by the success metrics, you there's always somebody ahead of you. So it's not a mm -hmm. winnable game unless you're Oprah or Bill Gates. There's always going to be somebody wealthier than you. There's always going to be somebody with more followers or likes or a bigger platform or a bigger company or a bigger title. And 
that is a tricky thing for you to really navigate through in your head and your psychology, right? So that's why if we don't have a right definition of success for ourselves, and we only measure ourselves by these traditional measurements that are given to us by society, that we will always feel empty. We cannot use those measurements to measure success. It has to be, what does success mean to us? What are our priorities? What are the things that we really want our identity to rest in? And when we can figure that out, then things pivot. But it's it's not as easy <laughs> as it sounds. Just snap of the fingers. <laughs> yeah. So ex- like external versus internal success. So how would you define success for HGTV, Tracy? And how would you define success for you today? One of the great gifts of HGTV for me was it was the greatest entrepreneurial training ground that I could have ever experienced. I think that sometimes, especially as as business owners, we forget that even these big companies started somewhere. I think the beauty of HGTV's story is that it was just a small group of people with, by television standards, not a lot of money and just trying to scrappy group of people trying to piece it together and trying to get something fabulous on the air. And if you had, if I showed you what a show looked like on, on HGTV <laughs> the day we launched versus what you know it as today, it's dramatically different. But I think for us as entrepreneurs and business owners, That's a great thing to hear that we all start somewhere and that the most important thing is to do it, you know, and not just just throw anything together, but have a mission, have a vision, have core values, have a map of what you want to accomplish, set some goals. And I think being able to be a part of something, there was no guarantee that HGTV was going to be successful. When we launched at the end of 1994, we launched with 25 other cable networks at the time and only two survived. So Hmm. that many companies failed. Cable network, cable television was like what you imagine or what we experience the internet to be today. So it was the place to be. Everybody wanted to be on cable. And there was a, it was a great wild west. And so many cable networks failed. They did not make it. And so the odds were stacked against us. And we didn't have a huge distribution arm or a big parent company or anything like that. So I think the the focus that needed to happen with the team and with getting that network on the air was is something that was really powerful for me to be a part of and to see. And I've taken all of that learning into my own company today. It's really interesting. Life happens for us, not to us. And it's interesting because I'm sure you went through this. I'd like for you to riff on this a bit. But when you first leave, you have a little bit of like F you in the system. (laughs) And then afterwards, you can be out of the storm clouds and say, wow, I really appreciate that season of my life. I'm glad I went through it because of the skills that I learned. And now I can use those skills later in life. These are compounding skills. Did you go through that? What's unique about my story, and hopefully it'll, it should be interesting for your listeners, because I know we're all in different phases of how we view our work and whether we find it meaningful or not find it meaningful. But for me, I, that my whole experience there was on the whole a good experience. It was, I love the people I worked for. I love the company. And 
what was interesting is I didn't get laid off. I wasn't, I didn't have a bad boss that I wanted to leave. I didn't, I love my staff. There was nothing bad per se happening that was pushing me out. So I wasn't being pushed out. I was being pulled out by wow. my, my own desire to see what was on the other side. My own desire inside knowing that there had to be more out there for me. I just needed to have the courage to make the leap of faith and try something new. The irony is, wasn't that so much more difficult than having a crappy situation? Yes, it was because everybody <laughs> thought I was crazy. Everybody was like, yeah. what are you doing? You're giving up the best job in the world. You, What's happening? And a lot of people were like, thought that there was more to it. And what's Scandal. the story behind the story? Yeah. And I was like, I, yeah, I just feel max. I feel like nobody's getting the best part of me, including me. Like oh, I'm wow. spread so thin. And I also want to know what it's like to create something of my own, to really craft something with my name on it. Like, what could that look like? My identity was so wrapped up into HGTV, I didn't even know who I was anymore. And so it was so hard. I kept second guessing myself. And the day after like my big going away party, I remember walking downstairs and just feeling naked. Who am I now? What am I going to do now? What did I just give up? And having to keep giving myself the speech, no, you did the right thing. This is what you want. Don't forget the hard days. Don't forget that, you know, that what, what pulled you to this place where you are. But yeah, it was really difficult. And for people listening, how many of you guys are in that position today? You know, that 75 degrees of comfort that Tony Robbins talks about, where you don't want to get up from the bed, from the couch to change the thermostat because it feels just good enough. It's not sensational, but it's good enough. And you're like, I don't need to change anything. Like the relationship, the marriage, oh, it's good enough. The job is good enough. I don't need to, I don't need to rock the boat. So I'm curious. I've got two questions and then I want to transition from HGV to post HGTV. So selfishly, I am curious. Two out of 25 networks survived in the cutthroat area of the 90s when you guys are trying to get through. What do you think was the, the differentiator? that made this network succeed and be one of the less than 10% that made it as team? Yeah, I think that our CEO and founder, Ken Lowe, who came up with the idea of HGTV, literally in his basement, <laughs> he came up with the idea and had the courage to, to say, I think this is going to be a great idea and I really want to make it happen. He had such a clear vision of what he wanted he mm. understood the promise of cable television. He was like, you know what? We're going to create a network that is going to stay true to who it wants to be. So we're only going to have home and garden programming on it. We're not going to re have reruns of Golden Girls at night, or we're not going to have ghost stories, or we're not going to put programming on to just pay the bills or to just get ratings. And he said, it's going to be hard but we're going to stay true to this mission and we're going to realize this vision and we will get there. We will get there. And I think that that was the beauty of the leadership and the team at HGTV is that we all agreed to that and we all believed in it and we didn't lose our focus. Like our mission was our filter. And I think that was the big difference because so many television networks, they don't have so many companies, as we know, 
don't have mm-hmm. a clear mission and they don't have a clear vision. They don't understand their why. They don't have a vision for how they're going to get there. And they just were putting anything on the air and they were not clear on their brand and they were taking reruns or syndicated programming just to get money in the door and it would diluted who they were and they failed. And it sounds so simple. And these words are way too overused today, mission and vision and values and all of that. But I do believe in them. And I have seen the power that you can build a company from zero to a billion dollars when you have commitment to those core elements and you hold true to them. You don't sacrifice and you don't compromise, but you stay true to that. And you also have core values, which is everything, right? To have a healthy culture. And HGTV at this point has been bought and sold a few times since I've left. And so it's a, it's much bigger part of a, of Warner Brothers and a huge conglomerate. And it's a different place now. But I do know in, in those first 20 years of it being built, this is what made it become what it is today, what people see today. I love that you mentioned brand because I just saw a video with Seth Godin and he had a really good quote. He's for people that aren't familiar, Seth Godin is one of the founder, like killer marketers of our generation. And he said, if Nike were to open up a hotel, you would have a pretty good understanding of what that hotel would be like. But if Hyatt were to create a shoe, Mm. you have no idea what that shoe would look like. And he goes, that's because Nike has a brand, Hyatt doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I've never heard it explained that well before. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. that's so that's good. It's spot on. <laughs> it's so good. And if HGTV were to open up a hotel, I'm pretty sure everybody yeah. would check oh, in. <laughs> immediately. Know? Chip and Joanna Gaines would be on the front somewhere. <laughs> exactly. But so we've got this company that's got this, this small ragtag team of like superchargers that are going after this vision on making a billion dollar network and the culture is good in corporate sense. Things are going well. What's the moment? What's the moment that made the 75 degrees not worth it for you anymore? It was shortly after my 40th birthday. And I just felt again that I was burning the candle at both ends. I also felt like I had, like we said before, checked off the boxes. I felt like I had achieved my goals and there wasn't anywhere else for me really to go or do or experience. And I, again, I just felt this pull and I just looked around and I was like, I'm living on a plane. I'm not really experiencing my life fully. And I think that there's something more for me. And I think also at the time you mentioned Daniel Pink and he talks about agency and autonomy and work on his book Drive, mm-hmm. really being able to have agency over your work. And I think that was missing for me. I had a lot in my job and I was so grateful for that, but I didn't have the level of freedom and flexibility and that I really wanted to have where I was calling my own shots. And so when all of that sort of wouldn't leave my head like over and over and over again, I realized it's not going to change staying here. I can live on autopilot with the golden handcuffs like so many people around me, or I can make the choice to take those golden handcuffs off. I don't know what awaits the other side. I could not make any money. I could create a 
another company and it could fail. There were so many unknowns, but I was like, you know what? You only live once. I have faith that I can really pave a new path. And I don't want to look back and regret it. I don't want to wake up at 75 and be like, what what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about that. The regret of a mission, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it seems to be the recurring theme where if you can really zoom out for a bit and like look a couple of years down the path, it seems from all the people from 400 interviews now, it seems that every single person that left a job was because they were a high performer that was doing things to the max. And then they looked up at their future and they realized the future was not there or they realized it wasn't the future that they wanted. So there was no space for them to grow anymore. And that seems why everyone seems to grow out of a good thing and do their own thing because they don't sink. Because I looked at my boss's boss and I was just like, oh, <laughs> I was like, that guy doesn't seem that much fun. Yeah, I'm out. So what happens next? And I really want to stick here on this transition point because I understand how awful it is. <laughs> so what's some advice that you can give first off for this transition point from employee to entrepreneur? And then let's go into entrepreneur Tracy and go into the yeah. second chapter of this book. Yeah. Man, we're murdering this podcast, by the way. We're killing it. <laughs> you make it easy. You make it easy. Yeah. I, I, one of the things that I realized looking back, because hindsight's always twenty twenty, and I realize now, and this is why I wrote the book, that in the midst of all that in your head, when you're when all of this realization is happening and this self-awareness and you're deciding there's more and I need to go realize it, there wasn't a lot out there for me to figure it out besides just leaving and finding the space to wrestle through these big questions. And that's what I did. I basically quit cold turkey and said, you know what, I'm going to grab a journal and a pen. I'm going to figure it out. What do I want to do? And it took some time for me to re-examine who I was. You know, who am I outside of HGTV? How am I uniquely gifted? What are the things that I want for my life? How can I positively impact the world around me, even if it's just in a small way? What are my priorities and how can I serve those priorities and get rid of everything else in my life and focus on that? And so those were the types of questions that I really sketched out for myself. And it was through that that I was able to really lean into to these gifts that I have. And some of it happened organically, as happens in entrepreneurship, where ideas come to you and people come to you and doors are open. And that happened for me, where a lot of people from the media industry were reaching out to me and saying, hey, I need your advice on this. I need your advice on that. And I had my gotten my master's in professional psychology while I was at HGTV. And so I was like, this is perfect. I have my master's in psychology, which I love. And I have decades of business experience. What if I merge them and become a consultant? And my husband at the time is a strategic planner and he's amazing at it. And he was like, we could join forces and start a company. And I was like, what? Because like, I couldn't even imagine us coming together and joining in starting a company. And it just came together. And I was on fire. I just felt like I had a million ideas and so many ways that I wanted to to brand and market and sell and help people and all those things, use all that I had learned 
but then also my gifts and talents to have a positive impact and help people. It was like I was at that crossroads where I was, I wanted to pay it forward. I wanted Mm -hmm. to give back everything I had learned and experienced. And so that's how our company Navigate the Journey came to be. Let's pause on this moment right here because this isn't, this is something that I feel like we could gloss over, but I know we shouldn't because this moment right here is like the make or break between the people that make it and the people that don't is you leave the job. And on this show, we talk about a lot of financial strategy. So normally we're like, okay, cool. What was your passive income? What was your cash position? Did you buy any businesses to get out of your job? But it's like you leave your job and then you have the new idea for the business, right? And you're like, this is the business that I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to create. This is going to be my impact. And then you start thinking about all the different positions because you're wearing every hat, right? So you got sales, marketing, product, fulfillment, finance, legal. And so now it's go time. And so you start putting all these hats on your head (laughs) and you get to work. Sometimes people look up, all of a sudden they blink. Five years, 10 years has passed. What the hell? I'm still wearing all these hats. So can you talk about the process in this exact moment of trying to determine, okay, what am I really dang good at? And what hats should I wear in this business? And what are my first hats that I need to delegate and hire out for as I build this team out? Yeah. Yeah. My gifting is really being a visionary. It is a stage. There's not a stage that I don't love. I had a lot of presentation and sales experience at HGTV and getting that company off the ground and then maintaining it and negotiation skills. And I knew my husband has a lot of, If I don't know if you've ever taken Patrick Lencioni's Working Genius. Hmm. It is such an amazing assessment. If you really are an entrepreneur that is trying to figure out what, what positions am I missing and what is it that I can do that's going to bring me happiness and not going to be a soul suck? And then what are the things that are going to drain me? and really detract from my company. It's a great assessment to take because then you can figure out, oh, I'm not going to be able to do these things no matter how hard I try. And I'm going to have to invest (laughs) here. And so for me, I'm low on that more kind of tenacity of detail. You know, I'm more like I can invent and I can create and I can sell and relationship build like one relationship at a time. But I'm not going to handle the finances and I'm not going to handle the details and I'm not going to be able to invoice and I'm not going to be able to do operational stuff. It's just not going to be in my skill set. And so the best first hire I think any entrepreneur can make is a virtual assistant, you know, or some sort of assistant (laughs) and then an operations person. You have to have that visionary and integrator mindset going and structure going And I think my husband's an amazing facilitator and he loves working with leadership teams and he flies all over the country and he's a great practitioner of of the business. And I'm good at sales and we built this business one relationship at a time. And I think for entrepreneurs, you have to know that it's a long game. It's not a short game. It's a long game. And you need to work on those relationships And you need to have a plan and you need to know what your goals are for every quarter and for the year and then let everything else fall by the wayside. You cannot do it all or be it all or have it all. The ocean is wide 
And so have faith in your own idea and what you bring to the table and don't worry about the competition. But you really mm. need to have a mission and a vision and a focus. And you got to be like that Michael Phelps in the pool where you're not looking back at everybody else, but you're what the goal is and you can win. And I think if you have a good idea and you are truly gifted for that idea, then you're a horse I'm going to bet on every day. Walk us through what happens next. Yeah, for us, when the more that we got out there and really built the relationships and did good work, that's the other thing. Really, you have to care about what you're doing. And when we're working with entrepreneurs and building their companies, and even my whole focus right now with my clients is really helping them design the life they want, using those traditional strategic planning tools to redesign mm -hmm. the big picture of their life. And when you do that and you understand not just what your the purpose of your business is, but what your individual purpose is, when you do that work, all of a sudden you find meaning in your work. Like work is no longer just about money and milestones, right? Your work is about making meaning and making it matter. And when you believe that and you really live that out, then you really care about what you're doing. And I think the most successful entrepreneurs that I've met, and I've met many of them, are people who actually believe in what they're doing and actually care. They know they're affecting lives, whether it's the lives that work for them or their clients. And they think it's a gift. They know it's a gift. And they hold that gift very loosely in their hands and see it as fragile. And that's what I think we do. We really care about our clients. We want the best for them. We're the wind beneath their wings. We want them to succeed. And I think that the entrepreneurs that get that, that they get that the focus is really around how am I going to positively impact these people through the work that I do? And how am I going to positively impact the people that work with me and for me? that it just alters everything because we're finding joy in our work. We're finding purpose in our work. And some, for some reason, then the success metrics just come. The money comes, the recognition comes. And I think that's what has happened for us is that people can tell if you really are authentic and you really mm. care. And if you really are good at what you do. And I think that for us, because we do care and we do love the people we work with and we work for, I think our business just took off. We just saw it become a thriving business for us. And it's been exciting. It happens one client at a time, one relationship at a time. Then it compounds over time. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. The best analogy that I've heard for this, but somebody said, they're like, you want to view your business as the car that you really enjoy driving. And then the money is just the exhaust fumes. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that's freaking good. <laughs> exactly. And that's success you can feel good about. Because don't we mm -hmm. all want to feel good about our success? And, you know, it, this, my book is called What If There's More? Finding Significance Beyond Success. And I think that's what we're all looking for is, at least I hope we're all looking for, is to become significantly successful, right? To really want our success to mean something and to be mm. proud of it. And I think that is a different type of success 
than what we see with some American culture kind of drives out there, right? Oh, yeah. And I think I would, I do gravitate towards people and entrepreneurs who really want that. They want success that is significant and positive, and they want to feel good about their business and what they're putting out there in the world. Let's define that a little bit more. So let's go from somebody that's quantifiably successful. And now we're going into the significance conversation, right? So let's further define that. Yeah. So I think that I always look at it in the, or I teach it in the matrix where it's like, you can have a lot of success. And this is, these are people we see oftentimes in big corporate jobs, right? You can see a lot of people at the top of the success that don't feel significant. They feel like they're wearing those golden handcuffs. They feel Mm -hmm. like they're on autopilot. They feel like they're the quote unquote empty suit where they're just going through the motions, but yet they have all the accolades and all the money and they're just living for the weekend. They're living for the next vacation just so that they can catch their breath or just so they can get away from the people they don't like, or just so that they can sleep. And it's a vicious cycle. It's like a hamster wheel. You cannot get off. And you have all the things that you know everybody else wants, but you're not enjoying them or at least Mm. not enjoying them as fully and presently as you possibly could. And then you have somebody who has success, but also is significant. And this is a person that has accumulated the wealth or accumulated the whatever they've defined as their success metrics. Maybe they have platform or maybe they have title in that they run their own company, but they feel meaning in their work. They're getting out of bed in the morning with enthusiasm. That doesn't mean they're getting out of bed with tons of energy because our work is work and that's toil, but it's not a soul suck. Their work is not a soul suck. Their work is life giving rather than life taking because they found themselves in it. They can see themselves in it. They can see the impact that they can make, even if it's just small, even if it's just one interaction with a client or one positive interaction or wisdom that they have given to a colleague, but they can feel those things more deeply because they're more present in their work. To me, that's significant. That's significantly working and significantly being realizing your success. I love that. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. You and I are talking about the exact same thing. This is awesome. Yeah. yeah, and so, I can see it in you because I don't think we would be getting as much enthusiasm or joy. And I know not everybody can see your face, but it's like you illuminate. And it's because you have found that spot for yourself where you know you oh, can yeah. impact and how you can impact. And that fills you up and it just comes out of you. That's a totally different mm-hmm. place to be. And I hope for the people that are listening to this that might be in a job that they feel like is there any way I could have the courage to walk away? Or they're an entrepreneur and they're feeling like, I feel so overwhelmed. It's There is a way. There is a path. There is more on the other side. You just have to figure it out and have the courage to take that first step. Yeah. And I'm curious. And God, yeah, this is... We're getting to a point now where it's so good. It's, I almost want to live, leave it on a high note. But I want to hit on one more piece of actionable advice that you can give to people. So can you give some advice to that person that has made the leap? They've done the big leap. They've left the job 
And now they're sitting there and they're like, okay, I'm ready for significance. They're waiting for like that lightning strike of significance. What's some advice you can give to that person to seek significance and find it a bit more easily than some of us that floundered? Yeah. Yeah. For the, for anybody who's out there sitting in those shoes right now, I can just relate to how they feel. And that's the reason I wrote my book, you know, what if there's more is because I wanted to provide that framework for people to do just that, to be able to define their significance and understand. And so I highlight the whole framework in my book. And it's the book, like I said before, I wish I had when I was sitting in those shoes Mm -hmm. where I could answer these big questions. And I think really it's as simple as just really taking a pause and sitting down and really asking yourself some very key questions of how am I uniquely gifted? How am I uniquely designed? Because I believe we all are as unique on the inside as our fingerprints are on the outside. So what are those unique talents and gifts? What are my personal core values? We do that for our business, but do we do it for ourselves? And what is what makes up the passions that drive me? And then what is my ultimate purpose? Why do I exist? What is my purpose? And then can I apply that purpose to all areas of my life? And then through that, can I design the future that I want? Can I outline it? Can I map out a vision for that future? And I think we really need to to have those steps and go through the process. And it sounds it's labor intensive or do I really need to do all that planning? Yeah, it's, it is freedom. Once you have the plan, you can let go and you can live as opposed to always trying to figure out what to do next and doing too many things or too few things. And so we do this for our business, but do we do this for our lives? And to me, that's the first step. They go hand in hand. And I think I have seen with the entrepreneurs I've taken through this process, I have seen their business just pivot because they have gotten clear on so many things, but they also can articulate things in a way that they were never able to articulate it before. And so that's the power is really not just knowing who you are, but being able to communicate that to the world around you. Somewhere Cameron Harold is just jumping for joy. As we're talking about vivid vision over here. Yeah, this is yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, guys, do not skip the step. What do I talk about in every podcast episode? Vision. Do it. <laughs> yes. Do not do skip it. the step. So step thing number one for you guys, not to, don't skip the step. Thing number two, buy the book. Tracy, where can people buy the book? You can buy the book anywhere. It's called What If There's More? Finding Significance Beyond Success. You can go to my website, which is tracyshubertbarrett.com. And you can find all the information about the book and the course that goes along with it and anything else you might want to find there is all in one spot. Amazing. And we will put that link in the show description. Tracy, I knew we were going to make some magic happen. I told you. This was amazing. (laughs) Thank you. I loved being here. Thank you so much for coming on, guys. And this has been another episode of the Action Academy podcast with Brian and Tracy signing off by the book. Hey, real quick, if you're still listening to today's episode, I'm assuming you got value from it. So I need your help specifically. My two-year vision with this show is to help over 1 million people do what they want, when they want, with who they want. And I can only do that with your help. 
There are two main ways that a podcast grows. One is through ratings and reviews, and the other is word of mouth. If you could please leave me a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as send this to one or two friends that you think would get value from it, we can reach the people that we're looking to reach. Thanks in advance. Talk tomorrow. Talk tomorrow.